Awesome. Hey, Liam, will you close those doors for me? I got Liam back here. Sorry, Liam. All right. This looks a little different, doesn't it? Yeah. I like all the matching shirts. This is not the new Tejano band of uh, La Plata County. Do did some good rocking, didn't we? Man, so good, so good. So um, just a quick recap of what we did. So this last week on July 9th, on a Friday, a week ago Friday, uh, we went to Texas, Tarzan, Texas. Anybody here know where Tarzan is? There, there's one, there's a couple. This group now does. Yeah, what was, uh, what did y'all see in Tarzan, Texas? What, how big of a town was that? Use your mic, bud. Small. Small, that's right. A gas station. A gas station and a church. Gas station and a church. So really neat. So we went there. We teamed with a church in Texas, and First Baptist Church Tarzan, which is a place I grew up, and so we were able to team with people we knew, know, fellow Christians, and um, we went down there, did a lot of lessons, did some work ministry, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we taught on the five solas, um, and we'll talk about some of that stuff in a minute. And then, um, so we taught on that, and then these youth jumped in a van and came back to Colorado. And then we came back and stayed at, uh, what's the name of that? Three Trails Ranch, stayed up there with this crew plus three from uh, Texas. We're missing Kaylee Coley. She's not here right now. She was feeling sick. And then we're also missing uh, Logan. He couldn't make it here today. And also Tristan. And then our Texas team was, uh, the leader was Daniel Cates, a deacon down there. Uh, we had Libby that led the girls. And then we also had Kaylee Texas. Real interesting. We had two Kayleys. One was from Texas. One from was Colorado. Last names both started with a C and they played the Mandolin, right? Oh, ukulele. Ukulele. Yeah. So we, that was fun. So we had that. And then uh, we also had, uh, what was that other kid's name? Aaron or? A-A-Ron. Yeah, he got his nickname A-A-Ron. And then uh, Caleb was among that crew too. So we had a great time. And so the whole part of that was to learn about God and then Austin led us in how to evangelize, or as Ty puts it, gospelize, and how to gospelize to people. And then we went out in, in Durango, Colorado, and met new people, didn't we? And so we're going to talk about some of the new people, how we shared the gospel with people, how these young people were bold and victorious by doing what they were called to do. It's really cool. But before we get started, I better pray so uh, God can bless our time. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for these young people that you have drawn to you, that you are changing their lives, that you are building a royal priesthood for your service. Father, I pray that you use these young people in a mighty way, that today's service is glorifying to you, and that you use all of us and change all of us to make us better servants and witnesses for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is our crew. Um, since we're here, everybody just take a mic and introduce yourselves. Just a name and your favorite meal we had on the trip. Oh, oh man. I'm Tara Fleener, and we came back with a lot of mosquito bites and a few extra pounds from Texas. Um, 
on our last morning, the lady, a lady, I can't remember her name, Shanna, brought us uh, four huge pans of homemade cinnamon rolls, hot. I'm Meg Petty, and I think my favorite was um, the, like, Wagyu burgers or something your dad made us on Sunday in Texas. Don't ask me why, but they were, they were delicious. Hi, my name's Tana Petty, and my favorite meal was the loaded tacos we had. Like, all the fixings. Um, I'm Sandy Gooch, and my favorite meal was probably the one my mom made, uh, the green chili chicken enchilada casserole. That was really good. I'm Cami Fleener. Um, my mom's Tara. Um, my favorite meal was probably the baked potatoes Miss Cherry Quinlan made. My name is Parker Perkerevich, and I my favorite meal is probably the also the baked potatoes. Uh, my name is Ty Petty. Um, my favorite meal was the loaded tacos, same as Tana. They were delish. My name is Asher Crocus, and my favorite meal was probably also the burgers. They were amazing. My name is Uriah Crocus, and burgers, definitely burgers. And I'm Austin Crocus, and I also really enjoyed the enchiladas. So thanks so much. We ate well. We sure did. We had tons of food. Now, um, we were gained a few pounds. At least I did. So we, while there in Texas, we went and did a work ministry. Would somebody like to tell us what our work ministry was? Circle 6 Youth Ranch. And um, the most memorable thing is Logan. He's not here. He came out fully painted. So he was painted silver, huh? Yeah, he looked like the Tin Man. Yeah, oil-based exterior paint. He actually wore that paint for the rest of the week. So um, he had a bit of it. Uh, we, there's one thing we recognize is that the boys are not very precise with painting. Anybody else have something on the Circle Six? Or how about uh, Tana? Go ahead. My favorite part. On the Circle Six um, workday was whenever, um, whenever all the truckers were going by and we'd all honk, and so the entire day there were truckers going by and they'd honk at us, and it was it felt like home. <laughs> we have some slides we'll show sometime with all that, but with all them paints and everything, it was it was crazy. And the, the truckers were had a lot of yeah, it got annoying there at the end of the day. Mike, check. Hey, something that was really cool about the camp, two things about working at the Circle Six camp. Uh, one was, uh, that's where we found our first and second gigantic Texas-sized insects, uh, or arachnids. One was a tarantula, and it was huge. And then we also found a giant centipede, which was like eight inches long. And, right? Centipede, millipede? Maybe millipede. Desert millipede, that's right. Miss Tara has the app to find and identify bugs. Very good. So, uh, but the other really cool thing about working at that camp, because all we did, um, and it wasn't just all we did. How long was that fence? It was probably like 300 yards of fence or something. I mean, yeah. it was huge. It was probably it was like a quarter mile of fence. And we did this whole fence, like road frontage, so right there where the trucks were, and the gate. And it probably hadn't been done. I asked them, when's the last time it was done? They said, oh, maybe not, like seven or eight years. 
And uh, the camp, though, is really cool. The Circle Six Baptist camp was really like the Hesperus Baptist camp, where kids are there all summer long learning about Jesus and getting to hear the gospel and taking steps of faith and coming to Christ and deciding to trust God with missions and baptism and all kinds of stuff. It's just a really cool camp that uh, even though we got to serve behind the scenes, it was tied into something really big. I got the privilege of taking these kids, a bunch of them, to the camp, the Hesperus camp this last month in June, I guess. And it was cool. And at one point, the guy who ran it just mentioned how behind the scenes, there's all kinds of people that work at that Hesperus camp and volunteer up there to make it so that we can have a life-changing week up there where the kids are getting into God's word. So I just want to say it was really cool to get to serve that camp kind of behind the scenes because nobody's probably going to realize that the kids go into camp. But I bet one day in heaven, we're going to sit around and be like, oh, you came to Christ at that camp? Like, we used to have a part in that camp. We had a little small little piece of work in there. So it was really fun to be connected to something so like kingdom-minded. It was really cool. Uriah might have something. What? Um, when we were evangelizing. Um, oh, you're, he's gonna get there. I bet. You are. Yeah. Right. Hang on. So that was really cool. So in Texas, we went, did this camp, a lot like Hesper's camp, but a lot flatter. I mean, a lot flatter. And uh, yeah, you could see for a long ways, and every road straight, and 90 miles an hour. So, um, so from there, we we did some lessons. Oh, we also did some work ministry here. And who wants to explain what we did here? Asher. So after we came back from Texas, we went over to Miss Amy's house. And um, Miss Amy's sitting right over there. She does a lot for this church. Um, and she had some trash that she needed taken to the dump. And she had a deck that was falling apart, so we rebuilt that for her. And Lee's still going to go back there and finish the railing for it. So, yeah. That's right. Safety first. Railing and, yeah. Don't fall off, Miss Amy. So... But we do have that coming along. Yeah, and the kids did an amazing job. Um, did what? Let's think. What did y'all learn with the work ministry? What for you youth? We'll start with y'all, and then we'll ask the adults. What was really neat about serving someone? That we have the chance to give someone what they need, and just bless them in that way, and then there's nothing profiting for us. It's just all about them and giving them what they need uh, as opposed to looking, man, I like that candy bar. I want that one. Um, so that's what I liked about it. That's cool. How about you leaders? Did y'all recognize anything different with this work ministry that was just a fun, to, fun, to, a fun recognition? So the last night Austin asked us like who encouraged you the most or name somebody who encouraged you on the trip and I said that the work days for me were super encouraging because um, Texas had had we were cooler there everybody was worried about us it was like cloudy 80 degrees when we started on the fence down there I think you guys were 100 on that day so we were kind of surprised by that but the caveat was that they'd had like a year's worth of rain in a week or two I think one week one day they had five inches, so the mosquitoes abounded. And, I mean, they were biting us through our clothes. We all came back with probably 100 mosquito bites. But despite those conditions, like, the kids were so cheerful, happy, encouraging. Like, they didn't complain at all. And then when we got to Miss Amy's house, it was hot. It was um, kind of some dirty jobs just going out to the dump. And I think that was probably the first time some of the kids have gotten to experience the dump firsthand. And there was just no complaining. They were just cheerful and happy to serve and happy to work, and that challenged me and encouraged me to be like that when I serve. Yeah, I just want to thank Miss Amy for 
making that need known to us and allowing us to um, receive the blessing of helping you and encourage anybody else. You know, this is a family, and that's what families do is make each other, you know, make be vulnerable with each other and express those needs because that's what we do. And uh, we wouldn't have been able to receive that blessing if of helping and letting God work through us if you hadn't made that known to us. So thanks for that. Miss Amy, you want to say something? Here, do you want to use a mic? We'll take this to you. Thank you, Amy. That's great. Thanks, guys, for working so hard. That's super cool. Okay, so we did these work ministries, and, I mean, we made them sweat, made them work. They learned a few things really good, but we also learned a few things in God's Word. So we jumped in every night. We went through the five solas, um, which is uh, in the Protestant Reformation. These are the things that, that most differentiated um, us or those that left Catholicism, and these are the things that get back to scriptural truth. And so we wanted to start with a good foundation for these young folks as they step out to teach or to gospelize other. You're going to hear me use that word a lot. I like that word. It's a new one. As we went out to gospelize other people. So, um, so as we go, I'm going to ask these young folks, what was the first night talk about? One more time. Faith. What about faith? Uh, how it's like essential for like to believe in God. Yeah. Trust it's in essential and trust. What what is faith like? Like sitting in that chair. Did it take faith to sit in that chair? No. No, you just kinda sat down. You just kinda knew it would hold you up. You did you check it, inspect it, make sure it holds you up. You just knew it was strong enough. Yeah, there you go. So that's exactly what our faith is like. Would somebody look up James 2, 21 through 22? James 2, 21 through 22. Go ahead, Tana. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with that his works and by works of faith was made perfect. So we're supposed to have what kind of faith? A perfect faith, a working faith, not a useless faith. We don't want to be useless and dead. We want to have a perfect faith as, as what in the substance of our faith is important too. What are, what are we supposed to have faith in ourselves or something else? Faith in Jesus Christ that we can't boast. There you go. Faith that we can't boast in Jesus Christ. So that was kind of our first night talking about faith. All that work 
that Jesus did. We have faith in that, not ourselves. That faith brings us into salvation and what he's done for us and nothing that we bring. Um, I know y'all have these memorized, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. is uh, for by grace we have been saved through faith not by works but it is the gift of God lest any man should boast that's exactly right amen amen anybody got any candy we should be throwing candy so that's good stuff so yeah it's not not of our works but what he did faith it's a free gift that he did for us right and so that's what we learned that first night uh how about the second night what was that that Mr. Cates taught on Ty I think it was that God doesn't need us God doesn't need us. That's right. What is that pointing to? That um, starts with a G. Oh, grace. Nope, another G. Glory. Glory. That's right. That He doesn't need us. Why doesn't He need us? Because uh, He made us. He He was getting along just fine for eternity before He made us. <laughs> Or not, I guess it wasn't eternity, but... Yeah, forever. I mean, it's just yeah. forever and ever. He just made us, right? By He doesn't need our worship. He likes it, but he doesn't need it. He's self-sustaining. What would you? What do you have? I was just going to say that um, he made us to glorify him. He made us to glorify him. Isn't that amazing that our creator is glory? He is glory. And all that we do should be for his glorification. When somebody looks up um, 2 Corinthians 10, 17. Asher. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in the Lord, he who glories. Our boasting, our glory should be in Jesus Christ and his work and not our own. Isn't that cool? Pretty amazing stuff. Okay, so now we're going to jump in. What was the next one we spoke about? We'll call on Parker. Um, I think it was uh, Grace. Yes, it was grace. So what is what is the definition of grace? Um, I think it was that something that's given to you without you, like, deserving it. That's exactly right. We didn't deserve it. It's unmerited favor. We did not deserve this. And it's, uh, and it's grace. It's by his grace we are saved. We, we discussed a, um, a parable about the prodigal son. Can somebody kind of just give us a summary of why grace was so important in that? Yes, sir. Um, so why grace was important in that story is if the father of the prodigal son did not have grace, he would have just sent his son away to go live with those pigs. But instead, he had grace on his son and gave him a robe and a ring and tied sandals to his feet and killed the fattened calf for him. And, like, threw him a party and stuff. Yeah, threw him a party because he can't, what was once lost is now found. What was once dead is now alive. So he gave a huge party because he's so excited about his son coming back to, back to his father. Isn't that cool? What about the older brother? What was the older brother's misperception of grace? He thought he should be having a party because 
he was there working all the all the all the time that the younger brother was gone. So uh, Yeah, that's exactly right. He was there working. He thought because he does good things that he should deserve the fattened calf. Why isn't anybody celebrating me? I'm doing some good stuff. He failed to recognize that grace is a gift, didn't he? He also failed to recognize. He was pointing to his works. Isn't that crazy? Awesome. So to the next one, Austin taught, and it's about Scripture and uh, how important the sola of Scripture is, why Scripture is so important. Can somebody tell me what the maps is? Sandy, do you remember? No. Okay. I want to say, let's go Asher. So MAPS is an acronym for, like, um, proof that the gospel is real. Um, M stands for manuscripts. A stands for archaeology. Um, the P stands for prophecy. And then the S stands for scripture, right? Science. 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 So we have all these things, even extra biblical things, that point to the infallacy of scripture. Isn't that pretty crazy? Pretty cool, right? So we have all that point to it. Um, we have, I mean, we could point, I don't even know all the manuscripts and stuff. What, what are the, one of the manuscripts we had? Um, the, uh, you mean prophecies or manuscripts? Manuscripts evidence. Here, I'll just, I'll just say it. But yeah, the, uh, one of the things I taught on was how there is so much ancient manuscript evidence. So many copies of the scriptures that have been written close to the time of when the originals were written. And it supersedes any other book of antiquity. That gives us a lot of confidence to believe that there's more uh, archaeological, or not archaeological, but manuscript evidence that Jesus exists than, say, Julius Caesar. Because there's so many more copies of those historical documents written right after when they were originally written. Um, does that answer your question? Yep. Right? right. Perfect. I love it. Would somebody look up 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17? Sixteen and seventeen. All right, go ahead and read it for us. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Good deal. Are you Second Timothy, or is that, or was I wrong? Oh wait, I was on. Oh sorry, I was in First. There we go. Let's try some Second Timothy. Go ahead, Ty. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may com- be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's breathed by God for our purpose, right? It's not just men that wrote this, but actually breathed by God. So this, these are the foundational truths. And then this all wrapped up with the entire center of all of this, that all these point to one person. Who is that? Jesus Christ. There we go. That's the Sunday school answer every time. Just say Jesus. Jesus or Moses, you'd be right half the time, right? So good job. So we had Jesus. Jesus, what is special about Jesus? Why was he, why, why is he the center of focus? Why couldn't it be any other man? Because he's perfect. 
And he's the son of God. He's a perfect and son of God. He wasn't just any ordinary dude, was he? Nope. No, he wasn't. Wasn't Austin with a beard and sandals. It was the perfect dude with beard and sandals. Right? Awesome. So would somebody read Hebrews 10, 11 through 12? Go ahead, Tana. And every priest bears ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. This man made one sacrifice once forever and sat down where? At the right hand of God. Isn't that amazing? Our God is living. Jesus Christ is living, sitting at the right hand of God, our Savior, our perfect sacrifice is sitting there. Pretty powerful news, isn't it? Pretty cool. So after we did this, we stepped into gospelizing. Really fun stuff. We went out into Durango. How many people in a group? Two. Yeah, we had two students. One group had three. We tried to send it out in small groups. Austin had a great idea with that. And we spread out from Santa Rita Park, North Main Street. We went down the river trail. We were downtown Durango. And we met encountered, met and encountered, I don't know, probably 50 people all together over the two days. I mean, just maybe even more than that. Yeah. We just, the amount of people we encountered for God's sake was... Tremendous. It was really neat. Um, before we get started on some of those stories, what were, what were y'all feeling? How, how did you feel before we started? Go ahead. I was really nervous. I was, like, scared, I guess. Why were you nervous? I just was worried about, like, not being able to say the right things. Yeah, not being able to stay, say the right things. How about you, uh, Sandy? Uh, kind of the same. But um, I wasn't real nervous about talking to people because usually in Walmart I just try to say hi to almost everyone I pass by. Yeah, you're a little bit nervous. I like Sandy's story. What happened as soon as you got out of the van? So we just had stopped at where me and Miss Petty and Aaron were going to walk around. And I was wearing my sweatshirt that said Montana on it. And there was this guy who was just walking and we walked right past him and he's all Montana 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 I'm like huh he looks at me he's like have you ever been to Montana I say no and he's like then why are you wearing that sweatshirt you phony and just walks straight off so she got called a phony right off the bat yeah uh, that may have made it uh maybe easier for that after then right isn't that crazy how God works and all that stuff so yeah right off the bat Sandy was called a phony. So, um, but we had some neat encounters. And there were, I would like, Uriah, I want to hear about the lady with stage four cancer that you met with and prayed with. So, um, one of the first people we talked to, I think it was the second person, they, we walked up to their two daughters, asked them if they wanted a Bible. They were 15 and 17, and their parents walked up, so we talked with them for a little while, and my dad asked them if there was anything that we could pray for them. And so then the lady said that she had stage 4 lung cancer. So then we prayed for her um, 
talked a little bit more, and then we kept going. Isn't that cool that God put this lady in your path that to get some prayer? I think did she um, did you um, did she know the gospel of Christ? Um, no, she's from Texas, but never heard of the gospel, and she also took a Bible. Those heathen Texans. That's what happens. What? So, but yeah, she she took a Bible. Maybe this was the seed that needed to be planted for her to come to know Christ. Isn't that pretty crazy? Isn't that neat? Um, we had some other encounters. Let's think. Uh, Asher, I think you were with uh, Kaylee, Texas Kaylee, right? And you met Star? Colorado, no, or you were Colorado Kaylee. Yeah, Colorado Kaylee and then Miss Livy. Okay, good. Tell us so, about Star. Yeah, on the first day, um, we were walking on the river trail, and then it started raining, so we ducked under a bridge for some cover, and we saw this um, homeless lady with uh, two dogs, and we were just standing around, and her dog started barking at us. And so we got into a conversation, and it turned out that she, um, her name was Star. She had four kids. Uh, she was hooked up on all kinds of drugs and alcohol and stuff, and she was trying to get clean so she could get back with her kids. And so um, we talked with her for a while, gave her a Bible, and it turned out, like, before we saw her, her Bible, she accidentally dropped her Bible in the river. So it was super soaked, so we gave her a new Bible and stuff. And then a couple days later, I was with Texas Kaylee, um, Parker, uh Caleb and then Mr. Daniel and we were at Walmart. We were walking over to Durango Joe's to get something to eat and we saw two homeless people on that curb and it turned out that it was Star and her husband, uh, Tyler. And so we talked to them for a little bit and they asked us if we asked them if we could help them in any way and they asked us if we had a tent. So we went back into Walmart and we got them two tents, uh, two one-person tents and then two pillows. And um, that Texas Kaylee spent over $100 on homeless people that weekend and I think that's really cool. That is cool. So God put in our path uh, a woman that was trying to get off of drugs, right? She was, and, and just because she couldn't see her children, she didn't know the gospel, and, and we shared truth with her. We shared the Bible, shared the gospel with her, and we gave her needs. That's right. And, and that's kind of what James said. Meet somebody in, in need. What good is it to just say go off in peace and you don't meet those physical needs that they need? And so that's walking in faith. And that was so cool to see Kaylee doing that. Walking in faith and how y'all ministered to, the, to Star and her husband. Isn't that neat? Um, let's think, what, what other cool moments did we have? So we started, where did we start? We were like North Main. And so we were walking. We walked almost to the library in Durango, and on the way back, we met an older guy on the bridge by the fairgrounds, and um, we were, like, in conversation, and then Ty goes over to, the, like, over to, like, another side of the bridge. He's like, hey, y'all want a Bible? Down to the rafts, and the raft guy was like, yeah, I'll take one, so Ty threw a Bible off the bridge and landed it in the middle of the raft, so that was pretty cool. And we hope that um, the raft guy that um, that would spark a conversation between the raft guide and his passengers and that um, they would all come to know him through, or Jesus through that one Bible. That's cool. Flying words, right? Through God's holy word off the bridge. This time it was a good throw, right? Awesome. Tana, you look like you want to say something. Yeah. So um, 
I was in the group with Dad and Logan, and um, and I was the first one able to get a Bible out. The first two times, Dad tried to get a Bible to some people, and they shut him down. And I was super nervous, and I would kind of get jittery just watching him, watching people say they didn't want a Bible. And then I got one to someone, and after that, I was kind of really pumped up about it. And then we went to the Triangle Park. Is there a real name for that? Yeah. Fastbinder? That's a name? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, we were there, and we were kind of just sitting at the park, seeing if there was anybody we wanted to talk to. And there was this lady sitting there, and I thought about it, and I was like, should I go talk to her? And then finally, I just felt like I really needed to talk to her, like God was pulling on my heart to talk to her, which was really cool because, I don't know, that's not something I felt a lot before. And um, I went over and talked to her, and she said she was from Albuquerque. And she was really kind of hard to read at the beginning, but I gave her one of our action Bibles, and she took it for her child. And um, I asked if she had a church, and she said they quit going to church whenever coronavirus got really political in their church and things like that. And then, but she said that she still liked to tithe, and she did that by um, giving money to food charities instead of just to their church, which I thought was really cool that she was still doing that. And then she took one of our little New Testament Bibles also, and um, she said that in Albuquerque they wouldn't just give people money that were homeless, they'd give them a meal. And so she'd get like a burger from McDonald's, and then they'd highlight verses in their Bibles and then put the Bibles in there. And I just thought that was super cool. And so afterwards, after I finished talking to her, and she encouraged me a lot, uh, Logan and I decided to go through all of our Bibles and highlight the um, verses that we were going to tell people if we got to that chance. So that was really cool and encouraging. That's fun stuff. Um, was anybody there whenever we met Fernando? Y'all remember Fernando? Ty, you want to give the story of Fernando? Sure. Um, so we were in the park, kind of the place where we were meeting up to get together and go back to the cabins. And then this one homeless guy walked walked by me, and I kind of stepped away from him. I was like, ooh, I don't know if that guy's any good. Uh, but then our friend Caleb, he went up to him and said, hey, uh, you want a Bible? And um, he said, yeah. And he started it. He came over, and Caleb said that he wanted to pray with us. So he was all excited. He said he, said he was um, really... He, lo- he loved to pray to God, and he would wake up in the morning and pray to him morning and night. And then he, but uh, we gave him a full Bible after we gave him a little one, and he just broke out in tears. He was so excited to have one, and he was so blessed, and he gave all of us a bunch of hugs. Um, and it was just great to see him. And then uh, whenever it was time for us to go, we, we prayed with him. And then he got up, and then he walked on uh, to with his Bibles and everything. So it was really cool to see him and everything. So cool. So we had that, that neat experience with Fernando that was just uh, 
He was so blessed to have a Bible. And it's because these kids, or not these kids, I need, I need to quit saying that. These young men and women stepped out boldly to do what they're called to do, to tell uh, the good news about Jesus Christ. And, it, and it's hard. It was hard. It was hard for me. I didn't, I had to, uh, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm leading a couple of these kids. I have to lead by example. And it really put me in an uncomfortable position too because I, uh, I had to step out and ask a couple of people first. And that, w- that was pretty hard, but it did become easier, didn't it? It was really neat. Um, and so we did this for, uh, we did it a full afternoon the first day. Uh, that was on Wednesday. And I think, yeah, Wednesday. And then Thursday we went out again that morning and, and, uh, and did some shared gospelizing. So evangelized again. And then one of the neatest things that night, Tana, just is kind of a sidetrack, but Tana tells, uh, tells us we're crawling in bed, and she's like, I don't know how you can sleep. This was better than a new pair of shoes. And so, yeah, so th- we, know, we know whenever it's compared to shoes with Tana that it's a good thing. Um, so, that w- I mean, we had some neat experiences. Isn't that great seeing God work, and you can lean on his strength? Isn't that cool? Man. So today, um, and we'll do about five, ten more minutes, probably ten minutes more, and we'll talk about the um, kind of our lesson today. And, and this is going to be a little different. I wanted to kind of talk to these these uh, young men and women, just give them a word of encouragement as as God gives to us. And um, y'all are bystanders, but y'all can be blessed by God's word just the same. So it's really good stuff. When we read earlier today, uh, Asher read for us in First Peter chapter two. Verse four, and this this is a uh, First Peter. Well, somebody just y'all turn to there, First Peter, and somebody read First Peter one, one and two, just so we get an idea of who we're talking about or who this is being written to. You got it, Parker. Why don't you go ahead and read it for us? God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Awesome. So we have have it here in the pilgrim, in the beginning to the pilgrims of the dispensation. When I hear pilgrims, I always think of John Wayne, right? The other, uh, I mean, almost up there with Jesus. But you had John Wayne, or you have Jesus saying, or Peter saying, "You to the pilgrims." What does pilgrim mean? Other than those guys that cook turkeys. Somebody on a spiritual quest, spiritual journey. It could be another word for like ambassador. We hear ambassadors. But somebody in a foreign land, right? Somebody starting something new. Uh, later in First Peter, he'll say sojourners. But somebody that is in a place in a foreign land. So if, if he's talking to believers in a foreign land who have been sent out in the dispersion. So this was uh, the um, whenever probably the fall or, or whenever Rome started really... Uh, persecuting Christians um, in Asia Minor. And so he, 
disperse these people start running away but he's encouraging these people who are being persecuted um in a foreign land where is our home if if these people are in foreign lands as believers in christ where's our home heaven yeah our where our home is not here our home is elsewhere and so we have that with jesus we're just visitors here and ambassadors for his sake So that brings us to chapter 2, and these, I think, are just some words of encouragement. You'll see on our shirts, which we have free ones out there if you want one, but um, that was kind of our theme verse, is uh, 1 Peter 2, 9, is that we want to be that holy priesthood and uh, and do what God's called us to. So let's uh, let's start in 4 here. Coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. So we see that Jesus is rejected. Jesus is rejected by those he was sent to save. He was um, um, so much so that the Jewish people, the, the high priests of those times, the, the Pharisees, gathered Jesus up, arrest him. And, and what did Jesus, um, was he taken by his will or somebody else's will? He was taken by his father's will. His father's will. That's right. He didn't. He gave up his life freely, and so he goes and he's spit upon. Prophesy who slapped me is what who slapped you is what one of the Pharisees said, and so Jesus is taken and taken by these Jewish people, and then obedient to the cross. Right? Jesus is hung on the cross for our sake. Isn't that amazing? So we see this, and so you could say he was rejected. Did y'all experience some rejection this week? How many times were you told no about giving away the God's holy word, God's Bible? A, a bunch. Pass it down to Asher there. At least 10 or 15. Lots of rejection. Go ahead. More than 20. More than 20 times. We all experienced some rejection. Did it? Were they rejecting you? Or rejecting Jesus? They were rejecting Jesus. They were rejecting Jesus. We put that rejection on him. It's not for us to worry about that rejection. And that's one thing that Austin encouraged us through this. As we go and tell people the good news about Jesus Christ, we don't need to be worried about rejection. We just need to be faithful to do what we were called to do. If anybody's rejecting God's word, it's, a, it's between them and God, not us. That's not our problem. So, yeah, they experienced some rejection. So let's jump to verse 5 here in First Peter. In chapter 2, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, living stones and being built up. What does that sound like, living stones? Um, when God was coming into Jerusalem on the donkey, when he said, uh, tell, when the Pharisees told him, tell the people to be quiet, and he said, surely I tell you, if um, I tell the people to be quiet, the stones will cry out and worship me. Isn't that cool? So, yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even catch on to that. But, yeah, even the stones will cry out. Should we be crying out as uh, believers in Jesus Christ, as a living stone, crying out the proclamations of what Jesus did for us? Isn't that cool? 
And so we're living stones, building up a spiritual house. So is it, uh, how many stones are in to build a house? Many. I like that. Just many. So there are many stones. So to do this Jesus thing or this Christian thing, is it better to go at it solo or are we to go at it as a family in Christ? It says in the Bible to go two by two and share the gospel. Yeah, go share the gospel. And then we came together at the end of the day and discussed it, what, how Jesus was working in these people's lives. Isn't it cool to have that encouragement as believers as we go through life? Isn't that really cool? Man, so powerful. So we're being, in, being raised up for a holy priesthood. We'll get to that here in a minute. To offer up a spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through who? Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Can we do this on our own strength? We can try. Will we, uh, will we be successful? No, not at all. We won't be successful. It's through Jesus Christ. It's kind of, it means we're doing it for nothing if we do it in our own power and own will. But if we do it with Christ, with what he first did for us, we recognize his will above our own, then mighty things can happen. We can see victory in what he's doing. Okay, so verse 6 here. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Isn't that cool? Jesus is our chief cornerstone. We're being built on him, on what he first did. It's not our works, lest anyone should boast. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But those who are disobedient, the stone which a builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. This is an interesting passage for me, after the, especially after this week and seeing what we our encounters with people. Did anybody see... The word of God or Jesus, we'll just say Jesus, Jesus being a stumbling block for others. Did anybody see that? Uh, we were kind of, we were on the north end, so we started at the park, like behind City Market, North City Market, and worked our way down. So we had kind of a lot of retirees with their dogs. And they would talk to us for 30 minutes about their dog babies. And then as soon as we were like, yeah, well, we're with a, you know, an area church and we're just giving out Bible today. Would you like a Bible? I mean, cold. We could have sat there and talked about their dog for 20 minutes and they were as cheerful as the day is long. But when we offered the Bible, a lot of times people would just, no way, I'm out and move on. Anybody else see any stumbling? How this, uh, how the word of God was just... Yeah, stumbling block where they could not get past it. Um, so we were evangelizing on Main Street, and uh, there was this guy, Parker walked up to him. He said, hey, how are you? And then he offered him a Bible. He said, hey, do you want... And the guy just cut him off there and said, no, not today, buddy. And like this horrible, rude tone of voice. It was sad. But 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 two steps later, he found two young guys to give a Bible to. So that was pretty cool. He wasn't daunted. That a boy. That way be uh, persistent. Good job. And we saw a lot of that. We had a lot of rejection. I heard no's. 
Um, there's one gentleman. Were y'all there when y'all saw James? James was, uh, yeah, you say the word Jesus and he'd prickle. He'd just, he'd bow up. And it was just one of the weirdest experiences that I had in seeing how, how just the name Jesus just, just um, really was offensive to him. And so that's what jumped out to me. Isn't that, isn't that just interesting? Um, but to those who are being saved, it is life, isn't it? It breathes life into us. It gives us life, and that's victory, isn't it? And we want it. We're just so excited to have it and share that. Um, verse 9 here, but you, that's you guys, that's all y'all, you, that's everybody in this church, you, everybody who believes and accepts it, you are a chosen generation, people, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We, you, we are a holy priesthood. That's why we prepared so hard. Just as a priest needs to prepare to share the share truth with his flock, we prepared to share truth. We're that priesthood. We're a holy nation. Isn't that great? We're holy people. That, and why are we holy? Is it because of anything we did? Nothing. It's all that he did. And why is it? Um, and we're a special people. Do you want to be special? We all want to be special. And God's made us special in him. Isn't that great? And, um, and why? For a special purpose here. Why? In verse 9, why were we made these people? Can somebody tell me? That we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's right. That we may proclaim. We're supposed to tell others about what he's called us to do, right? That's what he's called us. What he first did for us. Verse 10. You we, who were once were not a people. We were nobody without Jesus. But are now the people of God who had not, a, who had not attained mercy but now have obtained mercy. By his grace, we have life. And we're supposed to proclaim that to other people. And I just want to encourage you guys. Y'all did such an amazing job. It was encouraging to me to see how the youth, uh, these young adults and young women and men were so faithful to be that holy priesthood, that royal priesthood called to a purpose. Yes, Tana. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting, and um, the people that I kind of want to brag on aren't here, but Logan and Caleb... They were both, it was really cool to see how, um, you know, just Christ, like, blossomed in them. And just how, you know, we have our normal, everyday personalities. But once Christ is in us and we're just going with what he wants us to do, like, we change completely. And just seeing uh, Logan get out of his comfort zone and talking to, like, everybody. He wants to tell everybody, do you have a Bible? Do you want a Bible? And then Caleb uh, seeing Fernando. I wasn't even in his group, but... He, like Ty said, you know, I kind of stepped back when I saw him. I was like, uh. And then um, Caleb went after him, and he, like, pulled him back by the hand, and he said, we need to pray with him. And that just really um, softened my heart and made me want to be more like that, too. So cool. Yeah. Logan and Caleb. And that could be for each of you. Each of you guys were, were stepping out in faith to trust God in, the, in something that we were uncomfortable in. 
And by his strength, we were successful by doing what we were called to do. It, it has nothing to do with the numbers of people who came to Christ. We were called to tell others to proclaim what Christ first did in us. And that's what y'all did. And I just want to encourage you guys, man, keep it up. Oh, my gosh, all of us, keep it up. We, need, we are that holy and royal priesthood created to do something good for Christ. Be a living stone. Be that one that screams out who Christ is. Be on, built on top of Christ and what he first did, leaning on his strength because he first loved us. Our citizenship is not here but there. And as long as we focus on Jesus and what he first did for us, we can do mighty things. And that's what I saw this week was a group of young adults and women, I mean, being stronger for Christ than I ever was at that age. Being um, bold and just trusting him for the results. And it was so encouraging. And, and if, we, if this could be an encouragement for the rest of the church, these, um, these young men and women were uh, faithful. And that's, that's really all we want to be, is, is called to be faithful for what Christ did for us. And, um, and so with that, does anybody have a closing statement or a closing thought um, that they would like to share? So I think a lot of times you go into something like this thinking that you're going to serve God somehow. Um, and I was just praying for, like, the energy to get through the week. Um, but I came out of it just so challenged by their boldness and their courage. Um, and these are like our next generation of deacons, elders, worship leaders, Sunday school teachers. So I kind of went in thinking, oh, I'll be the one helping. But actually, I came out so changed and so, um, I think, challenged to do better and to do more and to be bold and courageous. And so if you get a chance to hang out with these kids, like serving a snack or bringing dinner and just sit with them and, and eat and get to know their hearts. And these kids know more scripture than I did well into my adulthood, probably still. Um, they're a really great group, and it was really just challenging for me to get to be part of it. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, too, uh, thanks for the church for setting up this trip. You know, I think Lee did a lot of work behind the scenes, but I know uh, the church supported it and uh, gave us the green light. This was... Uh, you know, I think growing up, I never went on mission trips as a kid, a youth kid. So I, I definitely feel like um, I probably would have gone on cool trips like this. But this is definitely like an adult level trip. Like we sent out <laughs> these kids to go talk to people in Durango. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a VBS, which is awesome and strategic and good. And I'm glad a really good one happened, Deb where you guys are reaching kids for Christ here. Like, that's so strategic and so good, and I'm so glad you did it. Taking these youth group kids out to town of Durango is just a little different level where you're bumping into drunk people that are using language and people that are, like, atheists and are trying to, like, hurt your feelings is really a big deal, and I'm super proud of these guys. And, and Lee, even for taking us on this trip and leading out on it, because it would have been easy for a million reasons for people to just say, no, that's, that's too scary or something. Well, uh guess what? These kids did it. <laughs> they did awesome. And I'm just so, so glad that they did step out in faith and get to see God show up. And I know we did get to share the gospel message with a ton of people. We probably gave away, I would guess, somewhere around 100 Bibles. We had a lot of Bibles, New Testaments, full Bibles, action Bibles. It was really cool. So I think God made a huge impact through these guys. And like we were saying before, like we might not know until heaven where all those Bibles end up or how many times they get read. And 
how people end up, you know, studying them and underlining them and coming to Christ through them. We're just going to have to wait and see the big picture in heaven. Um, so I'm just glad to get to be a part of it, and I hope we get to do it again. And uh, maybe next time we'll bring some more of all y'all with us. You know, it was cross-cultural, too. I could keep talking. We went to Texas, and it was cross-cultural. I never heard of a beanie weenie before, but we were eating beanie weenies. Uh, we learned more language. Do you know what a waf is? W-A-A-F? A waf? That's a wife. It's just, there's all these words that we don't use up here. And it was really fun to kind of get out of our uh, Durango culture a little bit and just kind of learn uh, different culture. And I hope and pray to God that we do get to go on more trips. You know, next year, I think some of us are thinking about going to Guatemala before this trip came up and the time was too close. But I hope we do get to go overseas together because I think this is kind of like a stepping stone of sharing our faith um, in helping fulfill the Great Commission. Where there is, you know, uh, statistically, missiologists say there's something like a billion people in the world today that have never heard the name of Jesus, which is like unconscionable. When you think about how much we love the Lord and how great it is to be in the Lord's house and sing his praises, there's people in, in uh, you know, these harder places to go to. Um, that Christ has commanded us to go as a church. Well, if we're not getting our feet wet and growing our backbone and our spiritual muscles, sharing Christ with our neighbor in downtown Durango or whatever, um, we're not going to get to Bangladesh, you know. Well, Pakistan, you know. We, God's calling us to all those places, so it's exciting to see how maybe God's going to keep working through these kids and through us as a church to keep reaching those places. And we should, I hope, before we get done today, we pray for our team that's in Guatemala today too because I'm really excited about that. Yep, that's some great stuff. So thanks, Austin. Yeah, and um, thanks to the church. Again, Austin mentioned it, but the support. Thank you so much for the support and in, in, uh, in your prayers, especially. Johnny was leading a prayer time for, for us. She's doing it again for Guatemala. There's actually some prayer sheets back there that you can um, pick up and give some, uh, give some time to prayer uh, for our church. And, and Johnny's doing a great thing with that. So reach out to Johnny if you'd want to be part of that. I think there's a, uh, two or three folks part of that now. Um, we'd love for this to be for prayer just to continue in our body. And especially for our Guatemala team as they are doing exactly what we just did over there for people who need Jesus. And so uh, we want to pray for God's will to uh, your God to show up. That's what we want. And so some good stuff. Let me uh, close us in prayer. Give us a little time after we close in prayer to move chairs and get set back up for our final worship song. It's going to be a little clunky, but we can get it done. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your, you being faithful to us. Um, you're first faithful to us so we can be to you. Thank you so much for... Um, being that chief cornerstone, that we can lean on your strength and not our own, that we are living stones. Father, I pray you raise up a, a mighty mansion in these living stones, that we can proclaim your might, your power, what you did in our lives, that we can pro proclaim that to others. Father, thank you for the faithfulness of these young adults and young women and, and men. Father, thank you for that. Thank you that they were faithful and that we saw you working uh, we pray for those that we encountered. Father, we want the lost in our community to come to you. We want your truth to ring. We want people to, to know you are the only way to life and life abundantly. Father, thank you for dying for our sins. Give us life. Um, put people in our paths that we don't leave here today um, just leaving our task behind for the past week. 
but that we look forward to who you have in front of us, that, uh, that we look forward and don't stop proclaiming your truths. You're a mighty God. In Jesus' name, amen.